episode 27, the Mike Trout episode, Joe, here in the month of December. We got the great Sherry Burris on from CBS Sports, somebody that you used to work with, and I'm sure it was great uh, catching up with her. Feels like forever ago, but it wasn't that long ago. I interned there uh, with her at NBC4 in D.C., Three years ago now, I think. Somebody tweeted out ago. today that uh, Eminem performing Lose Yourself at the Grammys was in January of this year. And that was That's like, crazy. whoa. I mean, oh. there's so many of those like what the heck moments like in sports and in the world that like happened this year. Like um, Australia was on fire this year. Brexit happened this year. Um, sports wise, you know, RIP Kobe died this year. Yeah. It's cr- like all these things are they happened. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. Like that feels like forever ago. But does um, hey, the calendar says December. We are almost out of this godforsaken. I was going to say <laughs> each day that goes by is a day closer to 2021. Mm-hmm. We have Sherry Burris on uh, coming up in a little bit. Talk a lot of football with her. But Joe, we'll talk some football of ourselves. It was a crazy week twelve, the longest is- week of football that the NFL has ever had. It's the Sorry. longest week. It's going to go down as the craziest week. Tariko kept saying that during the broadcast yesterday. Um, started 1230 on Thanksgiving, ended mid-evening on Wednesday the following week. And it's going to make for an interesting week 13 as well because we're going to have two – we're going to have a Monday doubleheader because the Steelers game got pushed to Monday. And then yeah. there's the Ravens-Cowboys that was supposed to be la- – this tomorrow – today. Tomorrow. <laughs> today, I'm losing track of the day. It's supposed yeah. to be today. That's going to be Tuesday, and it's just a whole mess, and it's going to be another long week next week. But, hey, someone said it best on Twitter. I think it was uh, our old colleague uh, uh, from NBC Sports Washington, Troy. You put a game on any day of the week, I'm watching it. So the the silver lining for fans is we get two games now on Monday. We still get a Tuesday game next week. I'm not complaining. complaining Wednesday afternoon football, when your team is playing especially, it was quite enjoyable. I had no expectations for that Ravens game yesterday. I thought they could keep it close just because it's Ravens Steelers. Yeah. And I had and a feeling really, the defense would play well. They really, by the skin of their teeth, kept that close. Credit to them for doing so. But I mean, I don't know what the Steelers play calling and execution was in the red zone. They easily could they just as easily could have won that game by three touchdowns as easily as they could have lost it if they would have scored a touchdown into the half the Ravens. But it was I mean, PJ, it was Wednesday, five PM. As you see anybody viewing on YouTube. My backdrop is different once again. While PJ's remains the same, I've now been at home in Jersey at my apartment in Florida. And now I'm at my girlfriend's apartment in Reston, Virginia, where I'm kind of spending most of the winter. A little festive here with the Christmas tree. But I was sitting here. We made a pot of chili in the crock pot. So it was 5 o'clock. I was sitting there with a bowl of chili, a beer in the other hand, and Raven Steelers on the TV on a Wednesday at 5 p.m. That was that was. Peak hump day. That was great. I that really, it's quality. And then we got some great college basketball at night. We'll talk about college oh, yes. a little later on in the pod. But, uh, but yeah, look, the Steelers remain unbeaten. They're 11-0. They got the toughest game of their season, not this week, but the following week when they have to travel to Buffalo for Sunday night. That'll be a good one. Um, the Ravens right now out of the playoff hunt, but we've talked about it. The remaining of their schedule really outside of at Cleveland on Monday night, even though I think the Dallas game could be tricky this week. Dallas, they, we'll they talk should. about it more once we get to best bets and stuff, but Dallas game could be tricky. Andy Dalton always plays them tough. Always plays in the past. them well. The Cowboys obviously have had all that rest since they played on Thanksgiving. And I just, you know, the Cowboys obviously still have a lot to play for. The Washington uh-huh. football team schedule down the stretch 
They got the Steelers this week. They still got Seattle and San Francisco. They got a lot. Philly schedules brutally hard. They have Green Bay this week. They still have to play New Orleans. And then the Giants the are in Giants Seattle. The Giants don't have Daniel Jones right now. And, and they don't have and Jones. They, have, so. they still have Cleveland and Seattle. So it's a mess in the NFC East. That, so that'll be a great game. That's just, again, this is just tip of the iceberg storylines from week 12. Beyond that, Bucks Chiefs turned out to be a great game in the end. Um, the Broncos didn't play with a quarterback this week. And that seemed to be like the third biggest story of the week. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of that game you caught, but it was actually kind of entertaining. The Broncos game? Yeah, like I was sitting there oh, like... it was awful. They, 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 they didn't throw the ball. It was like, it was watching the Ravens play yesterday, honestly. I mean... It was, enter- it was entertaining in the sense of... Maybe entertaining is not the right word. I, I couldn't pull my eyes off of it, kind of like when you're on the highway and you see a wreck on the side of the road and you try to like look over the shoulder and see exactly what's going on. Like I couldn't pull my eyes off of that game. I was intrigued every time the Broncos had the ball. Uh, you had two interceptions, one completion. Um, I mean, that was that was something. Well, to and behold, you had sure. New Orleans in your best bets at five and a half, and that is the best bet you will have all year. All year, it got up because to we go by we go by the lines when we do it on today. Right. Whatever happens in the next two days may happen. It is right. what it is, and it's and that was the easiest one I've had. We 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 both had a winning week last week at three yes, and two. We did. I'm, I'm hot right now in the NFL, Joe. I've only got one college game, my best bets, because I'm just going to stay hot in the NFL. I told you how much I like San Francisco. They pulled off the upset against the Rams. They got another tough game this week against Buffalo. But, uh, but look, San Francisco's starting to get healthy. It might be a little too late. But if they can get on a little run here, they, they could be a team to watch backing in to the uh, playoff picture and um, the game that really surprised me, though, from this past week was the Titans dismantling of the Colts. We all know the Titans are a much better road team than they are a home team. But Indy's just had their number over the years. I think in the last 24 meetings, Indy was like 20 and four against them or something absurd like that. They have the Titans number. And uh, for them to put up 45 on that defense, that's been great all year. Really impressive. Derek it, didn't, it didn't surprise me that they won. It surprised me at how they won. Correct. Because, like, I picked the Titans. Uh, I picked them outright during the week, and I, I thought that they would get them back. Tough to be a team. Tough to sweep the season series in, in a situation like that. And the first time they played, um, I mean, the Colts were very fortunate to have that FedEx driver or UPS driver, whatever he was, punting. Yeah. That shanked one that had one blocked, and that changed the whole game. So there were bits and pieces of that first game where it's like, all right, when they play again, the Titans might get them. But – to run it up on them the way they did. I didn't expect yeah, that. Either and now they're in the driver's seat to win the division. Atlanta, same thing over Vegas. Vegas was so impressive yeah. on Sunday night. They could have beaten the Chiefs again. And then they traveled to the East Coast, and the Falcons just absolutely dismantled them. And, Joe, the Raiders-Jets game could be an interesting spot this week because, as you well know, the Jets beat the Raiders last year. Last year. Last year. In, like, not a similar spot. The Raiders were favored by three, but a lot of people were picking the Jets to upset. Everybody's on the Raiders this week, but you just never know. When a team gets dis- dismantled like that, you just don't know how they're going to respond. The Jets well, have been playing better. They- both teams got dismantled last week. The difference is John Gruden is coaching the Raiders and Adam Gase is coaching the Jets. <laughs> and if you saw my Twitter before the game this past week for the Jets, when it was announced that Gase was called, taking back play calling duties, I said, we already know how this game is going to go. 
and the game went exactly as Adam Gase game would go. They scored three points on the opening drive. They never scored again. They had some boneheaded calls on fourth and one boneheaded coaching decisions. Play calling made no sense. And a team that had scored near 30 points the last two games under Dowell Loggins uh, scored three. And sure, the Dolphins are a solid defense, but as soon as Gates took back play calling, I knew how that game was going to go. And as long as he's in charge again this week, I know how this game's going to go. The eight number scares me, but anybody picking survivor pools and stuff, pick the Raiders and forget it. And that's, that's oh, really I'm, like no, I'm staying away from the Raiders. <laughs> uh, that, that's an interesting <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, that I mean, Atlanta beating them like that was was quite crazy. And then the Thanksgiving game, Washington over Dallas. We both like Dallas. We talked about it because we recorded our pod on Friday, but. Joe, I think Washington this week against Pittsburgh. I talked about the spot. They got a Pittsburgh. shot. They had Baltimore, obviously, yesterday. They have the Bills coming up. It's the perfect sandwich spot. Washington's rolling in there with a lot of confidence. And now Bud Dupree is out for the season. So Washington can really key in on stopping T.J. Watt. That'll obviously make things a lot easier for Alex Smith. The defense with that D-line, Ben likes to get the ball out of his hand quick. So I think – That's why it's a tough one for me because – the spot favors Washington. The matchup certainly favors the Steelers because the strength of Washington is that D-line, but the Steelers, A, have the best O-line in the league, and B, Ben is getting the ball out quicker than anybody in the league. Chris Collinsworth remarked on the broadcast yesterday a couple of times that yeah. his average of 2.2 seconds to get rid of the ball was already first in the league, and over the course of the game, he worked it down to 2.1. So he gets the ball out the quickest. He's got that O-line. So I, I do think it's just a very bad matchup for Washington. And I think um, while, yes, it's a sandwich spot, that game yesterday for Tomlin and the Steelers probably had to feel like a loss. And they'll probably want to get that fixed before they get that big Bills game. So a lot of intrigue this past week, a lot of intrigue next week. Um, and we said last week that we'd really dive into the NFL playoff picture this week because so much was going to become so much clearer based on the matchups we had last week. And it did. It became, it's still murky. It's still very murky, but it's a lot clearer than it was last week. Um, and we will get to that after our guest, Sherry Burris, you mentioned at the beginning. I worked with her for a little bit at NBC. She's with CBS Sports now. She does a ton of things for them, many hats. Sideline reporting for college basketball, college football, the NFL. She sits behind the sports desk for the weekday shows. She does so much, and she was very kind to give us a lot of her time today in a very busy week and schedule for her. Here's the interview with Sherry Burris. Joined this week by host and sideline reporter for CBS Sports and someone that I am proud to have once called a colleague, Sherry Burris. <laughs> it's great to see and hear from you. Uh, we know you're crazy busy. You don't want to take too much time. How are you doing with everything that's going on in the world right now, plus your job and everything? I know I'm sure it's a whirlwind. It really is, but I got to thank you guys, Joe, PJ, for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you guys. It's, uh, you know, Joe, been a minute, but things have been good. It's, you know, thankfully a little crazy with football, which... You know, a couple of months ago, we never would have thought we would have even spoke those words mm -hmm. and throwing college basketball that that just started. So I'm um, really excited to be doing sidelining for college football, um, have some NFL games that I'm doing that I'm excited for. So, you know, each day at a time, study sessions, uh, you know, wearing masks, lots of hand sanitizer on the road. So it's been uh, quite a whirlwind to start, you know, in a new job at CBS Sports, particularly in a COVID world. But um, I'm having a blast and I'm so thankful. 
Sherry, that's why you're a pro, because you led me right into the first <laughs> question we were going to talk to you about. As you said, you do NFL sidelines, college hoops, college football for CBS. Sometimes you're behind the sports desk. Can you just share what like a normal week for you kind of looks like, especially now, like you said, all these sports are kind of colliding with one another? Yeah, absolutely. So when I go into studio, um, it's kind of like a later shift, four-ish um, we do a preview show doing a lot of like the, the gambling when I do CBS Sports HQ, um, which is based in Stanford. And then we're there throughout the entire night for all the games, uh, wrapping things with analysts and guests just to kind of go over the games that happened. Um, but when it comes to a sidelining week, which is what I'm getting ready for now, I have the Colts Texans game this upcoming Sunday. So I'm excited about that. It's a right. lot of uh, studying during the week, watching the games if I can the previous Sunday. Um, our research team does a wonderful job sending us nuggets. We have tons of emails of those going through all that, checking social media. Um, and then usually, I guess, Wednesday, Thursday or Friday, uh, we have Zoom meetings with the teams, which I wish they were in person. Uh, just, you know, you can get that contact. But the world we're in, uh, we do Zoom meetings on those days. Then we fly in, um, do our best to stay as lonely and in isolation as we can <laughs> on the road. Um, then we show up for game days on Sunday. Uh, I'm sure it's been challenging to go through a job change and a big move during the pandemic. Uh, you started in January, correct me if I'm wrong there. Yep, so you, I guess you did just miss the, you did just <laughs> miss the beginning of the pandemic, but I'm sure it's still through a wrench into things. How, if at all, did that affect some of your early stages with CBS? So I, yeah, I started January 6th. Um, I was, I was sidelining a basketball game up until March 11th. Um, and then the 12th was kind of, you know, when the world imploded oh, yeah. with COVID. So I was just, you know, when that happened, just trying to consume as much information as I can of like what is happening with each league and starting a new job. I felt like by March, I was almost just ish, <laughs> um, getting a hang of what I was doing. Um, between, you know, sidelining and then, you know, the anchoring stuff, either for CBS Sports Network, for college basketball or HQ. And then the whole world kind of got flipped on its head. Um, and that was just, you know, we're always going to remember where we were and kind of yes. what happened sort of March through September. Um, but I will say CBS has done an absolutely wonderful job of keeping us, you know, informed of what's going on, what's on track, the safety measures that we took, um, before we can get back into the building or even, you know, before we could figure out if we could do sidelining. Um, the testing is really stringent and really, you know, easy to, to understand and abide by. So, you know, we all have to be flexible. You know, I feel like with each sporter, you know, even when we had the masters, it's, you know, a season unlike any other, and we just have to be flexible. And that's kind of what it's been. But, you know, again, you, you just think back, like, you know, in two years, let's hope, or, you know, 10 years, you can be, Hey, do you remember when we had to cover, that NFL game or that basketball game when COVID first hit. So it's definitely historic to be a part of. Um, and it's, it's a whirlwind, but you know, I really wouldn't have it any other way. I think that's one thing I've been telling myself. It's like, we're, we're in history right now. <laughs> yeah. We don't realize it, but like a few years from now, we're going to look back on it and be like, huh, that's what it was like to have no fans and build yeah. the same way that we were like watching sports reruns when this all hit we're going to be watching sports reruns in seven years. And yep. we're going to be telling our kids and beyond that grandkids, why there weren't fans in the stands for those years. So we're even yesterday, right now. Even yesterday, I'm watching the Raven Steelers game. And I'm like, Wednesday afternoon football is <laughs> kind of nice. Yeah. It's also weird because like when you watch those like reruns of games and you see fans, you're like, wait, 
fan. Like, why right. are they wearing masks? Like, right. it's just so normal now to be like, oh, wait, there were people. Like, you know, we think back to like the World Series Nats, you know, that probably was the last big championship with fans. And you're like, how did we have thousands of people in one building? So true. Um, now, Sherry, you talked about it, uh, how you're doing the Texans Colts game this week. Mm -hmm. So how fluid is everything with your schedule? Like, is that the game you're assigned? And then if that's canceled, is that it? Or are they moving stuff around for people, especially in college? Because a lot more games are getting canceled mm -hmm. there. So how does all that stuff look? Yeah, it's definitely keep an eye on your email, keep an eye on your text messages. You just kind of never know when your game will get canceled, particularly in college, uh, mm -hmm. college football that happened to me three times. I had three, I think straight weeks. I had my game canceled. Oh, One wow. of them, I flew all the way to Fresno. Um, and my game got canceled like 10 minutes when I was away from, I was 10 minutes away from the hotel and our game got canceled. So I was like, Oh, you know, it's just such a bummer, but obviously, you know, in this environment, first and foremost, you have to be concerned of the safety for whoever has COVID. Um, so that's obviously my first concern, but it's definitely keep track of your flights, where you're going. Uh, you know, we do get assigned for NFL. So that one is kind of like, I just wait and see where I get to go. Right. Um, fingers crossed. It's an indoor stadium, particularly <laughs> now that we're in December, yeah. but, um, yeah, so we just get kind of assigned for NFL and for college. I haven't been reassigned for anything yet. Um, if it does get canceled, but I think it just depends on if the schools can get a new opponent and we can, you know, there's a lot of logistics that's even above my pay grade yeah. of, you know, getting the crew and the trucks and the testing. It's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things to get a game rescheduled. Um, but I know there has been a few, I think just in the entire, you know, league of college football. Gotcha. And I'll be turning the clock back on you in a few moments, okay. but first some, <laughs> NFL, first some NFL questions as uh, we're on the topic. Which NFL game that you've covered at CBS so far has been your favorite, whether it be because of the game itself, the teams involved, the venue that it was at? Do you have one? I know it's only been a couple of months, but does one yeah. stick out so far as a favorite? So I got to do uh, a Chargers-Jags game in L.A. at the new SoFi oh, okay. Stadium. That's a good game, too. It was like 30, 20. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it really was a, you know, a shootout there. Jacksonville really, uh, you know, kind of clawed their way back in there. But. I really enjoyed uh, talking to Justin Herbert. He was a really, you know, calm, cool kind of kid. Um, and that stadium was beautiful. Like fans are absolutely going to love that when they finally can get in there. Um, I'm trying to think what other games I've had so far. You had the 24 nothing Miami Jets game, but I won't even yeah. go there as a Jets fan. <laughs> so is, Sorry. It weird, is it weird when you kind of just have, like, the whole place to yourself, right? Are you pretty much the only one, like, in the lower bowl, kind of? Yeah, when there's no fans in the stadiums, yes. Or there's, you know, there's still security, which I'm always like, right. I appreciate the security, but, you know, I don't – I guess maybe if some rogue person runs in. Right. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of like me in the – we call it the moat, that okay. first kind of row that I get to roam around. Um, but yeah, it's definitely weird because you miss like the energy, but you know, we have our, our IFBs, which is kind of like a headphone just in one ear so you can hear the broadcast. Mm -hmm. So this way I like, I try to make sure I can hear the, the fans to get like the vibe, but there, there really is no vibe. So it's, yeah. it's definitely an interesting kind of aspect, but I have had the Houston Texans once already this season and they do have a limited amount of fans. So okay. you kind of get a taste of it, but being in a stadium for a football game with no fans, it was a total first for me, and it was bizarre. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was at that. Lucas Oil Stadium for the Combine uh, two or three years ago now, and there were only like a few hundred fans in the upper deck, and I thought that was weird, being in a football yeah. stadium with 
pretty much nothing. I can't even imagine what it's what it's like. Right it's now. it's exactly like that. It's just kind of you know you like you watch at home and like you don't get to actually hear the fans cheering. Yeah. But you're you're physically there and you're just like, huh? Okay. Then why isn't anyone clapping or booing <laughs> or what's going on? Right. Um, we finally made it now to week 13 after the longest week in NFL history. Mike Tirico yeah. <laughs> kept bringing that up in the broadcast. We started with Thanksgiving, obviously, with the Texans, and then last night's game. Overall, what have your impressions been with the NFL? No cancellations up to this point, a couple postponements here and there, but they've gotten every game in thus far. What have been your, uh, your impressions of that? It's impressive, uh, the fact that they were able to get this far. I'm sure it has been a monster headache beyond any of our imaginations on how to figure out the logistics of moving games and scheduling and the buys. Um, you know, one of my, my colleagues, Jonathan Jones, wrote a really interesting article earlier. I'm trying to think what week it was. Maybe the first like single digit weeks um, just about the competitive balance of the NFL this season and how that's going to be so affected by COVID. Like the Broncos didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. What world would that ever happen? You know, so it's it's so interesting for me to to watch how we got to this point and kind of the extra hurdles uh, health wise, you know, on the field. But I totally give kudos to the NFL for being able to get this far. It seems like generally, you know, everyone has been able to, you know, recover from COVID, which has been, again, probably a little preachy, but, you know, obviously health and safety is number one. These are, you know, human beings, they have families and they have to make a living. So I'm thankful that they've been able to get that kind of figured out, but hopefully this can kind of be a uh, framework for NHL, MLB. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I keep looking at yeah. my text being like, when are we getting an NHL season? You know, is it January <laughs> one? What's baseball going to do? Um, so I'm, I'm hoping this kind of sets the stage for sports next season or next year. Now, definitely. And you've seen all, a lot of these NFL teams play in person. You cover the league. Do you see anybody beating Kansas City right now? Joe tells me <laughs> you're a big Packers fan, so I know. I am. Back, and they're obviously rolling right now in the <laughs> NFC. But Kansas City being the defending champs, they, they just look so strong. Can you see anybody? Who do you think is the team that can maybe give them the best run? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. The Raiders actually beat the Chiefs, right? They beat them, and they almost they beat them a second time. They did. So they did. So, I mean, all the Chargers almost beat the Chiefs they with sure Justin did. Herbert, like, in one of the first ones. So – there's clear chinks in their armor. Now I think I'd have to get a new job if I knew actually how to beat the chiefs. <laughs> um, but they're just almost too good. Like the adjustments that they can make Mahomes just literally is, he just makes it look too easy. You're just like, that throw was impossible. How do you like throw across your body running backwards and hit your dude in the end zone? So they're stacked. It's going to be hard. I have actually a group text with some girlfriends and I keep telling them like, I want to win the Super Bowl so bad for the Packers. I just don't want to play the chiefs because <laughs> I know they are just like, I need someone else to beat the chiefs before right. we get to the super bowl, because I think they're just like a juggernaut in the league this season. In the you NFC, know. who do you think's the toughest competitor for the Packers? Who do you think would be the team now? You know, that Tampa game really did not sit well with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Granted, it was like this anomaly day for Aaron Rodgers because he never throws like more than one interception, let alone a pick six. Yeah. But I just, get a little concerned with our run defense for the Packers. So any team with, you know, a good run game. The, I mean, the loss of the Vikings cooked. was bad. Yep. That was just oh going to say, that goodness. was a rough one. So, but you know what? I liked Preston Smith's uh, scoop and score the other day. Always love beating the Bears. So that, you know, that stoked a little bit more confidence in me as we uh, head <laughs> yeah. into December. The NFC, I can't figure out because you have – 
the Saints said and Packers have played a game and then the Bucks can't beat the Saints twice, but then the Bucks killed yeah. the Packers. It's like a circle of everybody beating each other and I, I have know. no idea how it's going to go. Then, what, I wonder what the status of Drew Brees is. Like, where is he in his recovery with these ribs? Like, can the Saints right. mm-hmm. keep going with Taysom Hill? And, you know, you have Jameson just sitting on the bench. Like, hey, again, above my Seattle, page. their defense is getting much better. So, I mean, the offense is obviously stacked. I, I love Russell Wilson. I went to college at Wisconsin when he was there that one year. We should have won the national championship. But that's a different story. <laughs> uh, but Russ, really, he too, I mean, he might just get overshadowed by Mahomes. Yeah. But Russ is like a really good quarterback that's like silently just slaying the league. Let Russ go. That's right. Absolutely. Exactly. And look, I said I was going to turn the clock back a little bit in a few moments. Um, before CBS, you were with NBC in DC mm-hmm. and you were, you were sports. I mean, to put it bluntly, <laughs> you got to cover, you got to cover championship runs for the Caps, Nats and Mystics. Which of those runs was your favorite to cover and pick whichever one is your favorite. Take us through that. So run. I will give the Mystics some credit. Unfortunately, that was, I think still during the Nats run. Um, so we didn't get to cover as many games or be there in person, but like snaps to the ladies, man, I can't forget the Mystics. Um, it's just so hard to pick between the Nats and the Caps because I think my favorite thing about, I want to say being, I guess, a sports reporter, but I love people and I love to like tell the stories and like get to know the guys. And, you know, you're spending literally, at least for baseball, it's literally a straight month, right? Like it was October 1st through Halloween. And then for Caps, it's April through June. And you are seeing these guys probably every day, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're either at a game or you're doing media availability. So, like, you get to know them. They get to know you. You know, you ask Ovi, like, about his kid before the media avail. Or, you know, you joke with Adam Eaton about a car. Or, you know, it's (laughs) – you get to know these guys. And I think, in general, that's just kind of my favorite. Um, But, you know, the fact that it had been so long for D.C. sports to have a championship. And then we got to have two of them. Um, is definitely something I relish in and, you know, we look back on and we have a sports room and we have like bobbleheads and we have the championship champagne bottles from caps. And I have my rose colored glasses <laughs> that Para and them had for Nat. So it's definitely fun to, to look back. I don't know if I can pick a favorite, but I will say because of the caps winning the cup, I'm definitely, um, a diehard hockey fan now. Yeah, that was an incredible run. That was when I was interning. I interned up until the lightning series and then the semester ended. Um, but that was even to be part of half of that run was incredible. So I can only imagine you getting to be yeah. part of two, uh, but that was like another historic thing on the other end of the spectrum. You and I were sitting next to each other in the press box the day that Alex Smith suffered the leg injury. Yeah. I mean, that, that day is ingrained in my mind forever. I was one mm-hmm. of the first ones around us to notice it. I remember telling you. I think you I asked to, you, I was like, yeah, is it his I, head? Like, cause he kept nope, having, yeah, I was exactly. like, what I was, was just going to say, you, you asked me and I said, <laughs> I said, it's his leg. Sherry, don't even look at it. I don't remember if you yeah. did or didn't look at it, but I told you don't look at it. So it was a horrible day. And I I'm sitting here this past couple of weeks on Thanksgiving, watching him. And I just wanted to get your take on it. Thinking back to that day, Gosh. seeing it in person, I know Kerwin had an incredible shot of the leg. We spent that night debating yeah. whether we should or shouldn't run it. And here yeah. we two years later, and they're tied for first place. He's at quarterback, and they've got a real shot to win the division. How insane and remarkable is this all at the same time right now? I mean, if I were his wife, I'd been like, get your butt on the couch. You are never playing another down of football again. Like, absolutely not. 
Um, and again, it kind of goes back to, you know, getting to know the players. Like when Alex and Liz first came to DC, you know, I tried to make a point to like, you know, be nice and like get to know them as people. Um, so to see him go down again, first off, you and I were just like, oh my gosh, like what just happened? Yeah. Then my next thought was, oh my gosh, his wife is watching this. That has to be mortifying. And obviously, you know, in hindsight, we didn't know the struggles he was going through with, you know, having to have so many surgeries and the infection and then like almost dying. I mean, just to know what he went through to know he is back now. Like I still get nervous when I see him like, you know, take a oh, hit or it. even like just run it. out Every on the field. Every time somebody's near him, I like, I'm going like this. Yeah. I'm like, please be careful. <laughs> um, but if this, you know, doesn't show us the determination and, you know, he said he's doing it to show his kids that you can come back from anything. I genuinely don't think there is a better example than what Alex Smith did. And for the team to still, you know, have faith in him and keep him around and give him this chance. I mean, they're literally, I don't know who could win comeback player of the year over Alex. Oh, it's, considering it's done. Everything that he's overcome. It's done. It's and I, I was talking about this with PJ last week. Um, the people that are loving this the most right now are the people sitting back in LA or Orlando at Disney headquarters, just continuing to add lines to the Alex Smith movie script. Uh-huh. That's yep. who he's loving this the most right now. So Disney it, Plus is probably already working already on streaming the film. it. Yeah, they, got, yeah. They, got, they, got, they already got Ryan Gosling cast as Alex Smith. They got the yes, whole deal. That's great. Now, Sherry, if Alex pulls this off, he leads Washington to the playoffs. They obviously, you know, Haskins. It looks like they're moving on for him. If he leads into the playoffs, do you think they come back with him next year, or do they look at maybe getting a quarterback in the draft? Yes, to both. Um, <laughs> You know, I guess Kyle Allen is a Rivera guy because they were together in uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder, depending on where they fall in the draft, I mean, Alex is not, you know, some 20-something-year-old guy. He's been in the league for a really long time. So I would have to say you have to stick with him. Um, but you have to kind of consider, you know, this is a business. You have to consider the future of the franchise if they do move on from Dwayne, is Kyle Allen the future? Is there some quarterback out there we don't know about that they have their eyes on? But on the flip side, you know, if you think about D.C., they had RG3. They had Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to rehash the saga of what happened with Kirk in D.C. Because, yeah. I mean, they were the last two, right, to make the playoffs 2012 with yeah. RG3. And, like, you know, as much as I love that there is some loyalty in sports – at the end of the day, it's a business yeah, and they're kind I mean, I hate to say it. There isn't loyalty, but there is. So it's kind of a, I hope they would keep Alex there, particularly if he's successful, but at the same time, you know, I'm not a, a naive new sports fan that you got to right. know that there's a little bit of a business that goes into yeah, it. And this was something that PJ and I were going to get into as we went along. Um, and the fact that you brought it up, I'll bring it up now. I think they could use the dolphins as the blueprint. Like they had Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. they still drafted, to uh, like they, sh- they are in that spot where they could probably rely on Alex if he's healthy, as long as he stays healthy next yeah. year and then have him groom somebody else along. Exactly. And you got to look at Arizona. I mean, what they drafted was it Josh Rosen. And it's kind of like, uh, all right, cool. Let's get this Kyler Murray kid. And he's like absolutely <laughs> killing it. So yeah. sometimes you just got to kind of chalk up the loss and move on. Joe and I have talked about this too. The NFC East is in such an interesting situation because the division is so bad. <laughs> that the three teams that don't make the playoffs will get top 10 picks mm-hmm. while the team that mm-hmm. does will fall all the way back to like 16, 17. So it's pretty interesting to see what would happen in Washington if they make the playoffs. 
Leave it to the NFC East, of Mm -hmm. course. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we have two final segments that we do with all our guests. Before we get to that, one more question for you. You mentioned you're a Wisconsin alum. You love your Badgers. I do. They're ranked fourth right now. They're killing it in college hoops. How excited are you for this season, watching them, and to possibly get a chance to maybe do one of their games on the sidelines? Oh my gosh, I would absolutely (laughs) love to be back in Madison for a game. And it's so great to see the guys back out there, you know. I graduated in 2012, so I'm a little disconnected from like knowing everyone's names, you know, by heart and all of that jazz, but um, love watching Badger basketball. It broke my heart when we uh, got knocked out of March Madness, I guess that's what, two years ago, kind of now, um, in the first round, because making it, you know, to the championship and final fours, that that was my heyday. Um, but I would have a whole list of things I needed to do if I could ever go back to Madison I don't really even give me a game, like a Badger game in general, just because they'll be like, you might be too much of a fan to go back. So, you know, pump the brakes on the cheese curds and brats and beer, but I would totally petition to go. All right. Very nice. So as I mentioned, two final segments, we do the swift seven, seven, seven rapid fire, anything goes type questions. And then Joe has a trivia question for you at the end that we do for all okay (laughs) all right cherry number one and i'm so happy we have a cbs person because i've been waiting asking this question what is your favorite cbs jingle is it the college football theme song the college basketball or the nfl football sunday theme song i think now it's the nfl sunday just because (laughs) now i'm a part of it so now i'm like you know you kind of get the the, you know, tingle up your spine. You're like, all right, we're coming to me. Like this, I'm a part of this. Like you think of NFL on CBS, like that, that's like a thing, you know, yeah. and to be a part of that is, you know, such an honor. Uh, that's very true. Number two, your favorite event that you've ever gotten to cover. Oh, that's really tough. Um, can I just say like championship games when my yeah. team won? I covered, I covered the Royals when they lost the world series in game seven and Game seven was awesome, but game sevens are only awesome when your team wins. So I'll give uh, Caps and Nats a, a nod to those. Number three, what's your favorite story that you've ever done? Ooh, that's really tough. Favorite story. I got to cover, uh, was it the Fantastic Seven? What, like the old, the gymnast, like it was a, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even think of all of their names. The, like Nazi, uh, yeah, Nazi, uh, no, and, and, and uh, the, when they had Don the Johnson? last Olympics in Atlanta in 96, before they oh. blew up the Georgia Dome, uh, yeah. they had those girls come back. It was like Dominique Dawes. Harry and- Shrugs, was that right? Yes. Yep, yep, yep. So five of the seven girls came back and kind of did like a walkthrough of the Georgia Dome before they imploded it. Oh, wow. um, and like growing up, like I wanted to be Dominique Dawes. Like I wanted to go to law school at Stanford, like the whole nine. So getting to, to kind of go back with those ladies was pretty cool. That is number four, more likely to happen. The Jets finish winless or the Steelers finish unbeaten? Jets. Sorry, (laughs) Joe. (laughs) Don't be sorry. It gets me Trevor Lawrence. That's all that matters right now. (laughs) I'm rooting for it at this point. Um, Just get Adam Gase out of here. I'm sure you enjoyed his conversations or whatever. Don't don't answer that. Don't get in trouble. (laughs) He was actually really, I mean, not saying he wouldn't be delightful, but he was, he was really nice on the zoom and like really personable. It was, it was a good Zoom coach or Zoom call with him. There you go. At least there's something to sound with yeah. the whole dumpster fire of the Jets. <laughs> uh, number five, favorite person you ever got to interview? Oh, wow. 
you know, I will say getting to chat with Alex Ovechkin and like doing those fun things with him. Cause we, he had a baby. We had this like fake baby doll for him to change the diaper and we dropped <laughs> it. So that was great. Um, and then we played a shooting game with him once and that he was just, he shot the little, like you have like a Nerf gun and there's five floating balls with air. He missed one and he goes, Oh, I get it. Ping, ping, ping. And he hit all five of them down. Like one adjustment got all of them. Um, so I think for sure, like getting to know Ovi and his competitiveness, um, that that's pretty cool. Uh, favorite city you ever been to, whether vacation or through work? We love DC. I, I talk about it almost every day on how much I like want to be back in DC and I miss, you know, my favorite restaurants and going to Georgetown. So I think DC is a uh, top of my list. Good answer. And number seven, you made it through into December. Now, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, you know, Christmas. Let me think. I do like The Grinch okay. with Jim Carrey. Um, I have to watch the like weird claymation, like Frosty. Every year, me too. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think those are probably the top two of my my favorite. Would you call Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes, Halloween I have this argument with so Christmas? many people. I have this argument with so many people. It is a Christmas movie. It just so happens that it's they get Halloween. to the Christmas point by ho- via Halloween. But okay. it's a Christmas movie. I, I like just, that I one a lot. I swear, too. I literally watched a documentary <laughs> on this yesterday. I love Christmas. I watched a documentary on this yesterday. It's a Christmas movie. Tim Burton intended it to be a Christmas movie just through the eyes of Halloween-type characters. So, so mark that one down for me then also. There you go. There yeah, you go. All right. It. You made it through the seven. Now we go to the trivia question. <laughs> I'm so um, nervous. We've had, a, it's, we've had a mixed bag. Some have gotten it. Some haven't. Joe B missed an Ovi question. So what? next time okay, you see Joe B, I don't Joe feel B, so bad then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so don't feel bad if you get it wrong. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your first Washington football team game that you covered for NBC was back in December of 16, correct? Round yes. Of, okay. And your last season was last year in 2019. So yes. in that span, the team had seven different quarterbacks start a game. Yeah. 90 seconds, <laughs> 90 seconds or three strikes. Can you give us five of the seven quarterbacks? Yes. I actually just had this conversation with my husband because we heard this information. We're like, who could they be? Okay. You have Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, uh, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, uh, Kirk Cousins, and then Josh Johnson. Yep. Is that all of them? Did I miss one? Well, you you got – Mark Sanchez was the only one you missed. But Uh, you got Kyle Allen there instead. You gave us more than we asked for. So you got it. There you go. How did I forget Mark? Now the next time you see Joe B, you can say (laughs) that you got yours right and he got his wrong. Yes, I'm going to text it that. He owes me a bottle of wine or something for beating him. (laughs) Joe B was not happy about it either. He's like, do not show this. Do not show this. It was awesome. Well, Sherry, thanks so much. It was great meeting you. Thanks for giving us all your insight, letting us know what it's like to be in CBS and good luck in Houston this week. That should be a fun game. Indian Houston. It should be. Should be a really it is. Game. That nice division matchup. Well, thank you so much, guys. This was a blast. It was great seeing you for the first time in like a year, but yeah. it doesn't feel like a year because no. this year doesn't make any sense to anybody. So <laughs> we'll put an asterisk uh, right next to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy this week down in Houston. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. Once again, that was Sherry Burris of CBS Sports, kind enough to join us on her way to Houston for the Colts and Texans AFC South Divisional Clash. Joe, we talked to her about the playoff picture, which we're going to get into right now. I asked her if she could see anybody beating Kansas City, and she's like, look, the Raiders beat them once. They almost beat them twice. almost did. 
Tampa was there late in that game. So they're obviously going to get everybody's best shots being the defending champion. And people know that they're the team they got to go through. But it's it's tough for me to see right now anybody beating that team, especially in the AFC. I think there are teams in the NFC a lot better equipped to beat them. But we'll get into that in a little bit. We'll just go division by division here and uh, kind of look at the overall playoff picture. Starting the AFC East. And uh, Patriots still hanging on by a thread there at five and six. Um, Dolphins in second place at seven and four. The Bills in first at eight and three. And they play each other. So that'll have a big impact. So they still have and one more game. And against the each Bills' other. schedule. You got San Francisco this week on Monday night. You got Pittsburgh next week. You still got the Dolphins, as you mentioned. So the Bills got a lot of games that they were going to really find a lot about this team. Do you like them, though, to win the East? Or do you like If you want to war game it out, I was just going to say, let's, let's war game it out real quick. So they got the Niners in Arizona on Monday night. That's another one of those switches that we learned of last week. Um, so they got the Niners in Arizona. I'm going to give them a loss. I think they win. Okay. So let's – I got a loss. Then home against the Steelers, I got a win. What do you got there? Let's agree that they'll go one and one in those two games. Okay, whichever way you slice it, they right. go one and one. I would agree. I think they win against the Broncos. I think they lose on the road against New England. They almost lost to New England at home. Cam fumbled it late. Yeah. I think Belichick coaches a win out of that team. It's a, uh, it's a Sunday night game in Foxborough. So I think, I think they're two and two in their next four games going into week 17 against Miami. If that's the case. If that's the case, they're 10 and five on the flip side, Miami's schedule. It's, it's not the easiest either, but it's also not as bad as the bills schedule. Um, They have a cupcake this week. They're home against the Bengals. Then they are going to lose against the chiefs next week. Then they get the Patriots at home. And I like their chances against the Patriots more because of Flores than I do the bills chances against them. And they go West against the Raiders on a Saturday and then they got the Bills game at the end. So, again, I think they beat the Bengals. I think they beat the Patriots. I think they lose the two AFC West games. So, going into the last week, you've got both teams still where they are right now, a game apart. You'd have a 10-5 and five Bills team. You'd have a 9-6 and six, uh, Dolphins team into that last one. And now I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of what the tiebreakers look like in that scenario, uh, but it could set up for an interesting thing where – any way you slice it, they will probably be within a game of each other or tied going into that last one. So the AFC East, it's a tough one to pick. That Dolphins-Raiders matchup is going to be – I mean, that's going to be massive. In, uh, in week 16, and then they got the Bills right there. Um, that, that'll be big. I, yeah, it's – I think the Bills and the Dolphins, honestly, I think they both maybe go two and three down the stretch. I, mean, I think whichever team goes three and two will, uh, will win the division – who won in the – the Bills won in the first matchup against the Dolphins. Yes. The Bills did. They beat the them in Miami. The first time. So, they have that going for them. All right. Next division. We look here on our laptops. Let's see. Is the is the AFC – And the South on mine. What are you looking yes. at? Hey, I got the North, but <laughs> AFC South is okay. good too. I was just refreshing it. Um, all yeah. right. Tennessee, eight and three at the top. Indianapolis seven and four, and then Houston four and seven. They're out. Jacksonville one and ten. So the Colts and the Titans obviously have a split against each other. Tennessee's got a big game against Cleveland this week, 
and the Colts have Houston. I think the Titans are the best team in the division. That off, I think they're the best, they're the second best offense in the AFC. I'd put them over the Steelers behind the Chiefs. Henry, AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith. That their offense is just nasty. The defense is is the problem. Are they going to be able to outscore teams, especially in December football? Where I mean, these are when guys know this is when their paychecks are earned and everybody's fighting for playoff spots. But the Titans showed you last year that they can win this time of the year and in the playoffs. They got the Packers week 16 in Lambeau. You got to figure that'll be a loss. But they got after the Browns this week at Jacksonville, home against Detroit, and then at Green Bay at Houston. So you'd have to. I go with the Titans here. I got to go with the Titans here. Yeah. I think for me, it's an easier schedule for the Titans. They're more equipped to win in December, I think, than the Colts are. Uh, And again, the schedule sets up nicely for them. They should win their next three in a row home Cleveland at Jacksonville and then home Detroit that already puts them at 11 and then looking at the Colts schedule where they're currently sitting at seven wins. I don't see them getting to 11. So already the Titans would be there. I think the Colts split with the Texans. I think they lose at Las Vegas. I think they lose at the, the, uh, the Steelers and that's already it. That's already three losses for them. So I, I think the Titans have a handle on the division now. I like the Titans too. Um, AFC West, Kansas city is going to win the division they're done there. And then the North, the Steelers have that. There's no coming back, I don't think, for anybody beneath no. them. So those divisions are set. Where it gets interesting in the rest of the AFC then is the wild card. Correct. Picture, because that's when you start to get into some uh, crazy scenarios. Too many for us to go through. Uh, but the crux of it is you're looking at a currently 7-4 and four Dolphins team, a currently 7-4 and four Colts team, a currently 8-3 and three Browns team, as the three current wild cards. Those are the three teams sitting in those three wild card spots right now. Again, this year, three, not two. The teams knocking on the door, six and five Raiders, six and five Ravens are the teams knocking on the door. So right now, those six win teams are a game behind both the Colts and the Dolphins. I think that the Raiders will be on the outside looking in. The Ravens will creep in. And I think the Ravens will actually steal a Colts spot. I think that is the team that, gets left out looking at the schedules like we did for the dolphins um, and for the Colts. I think the Colts finish nine and seven. I think the dolphins get to nine and seven or 10 and six. And then again, it would depend on the tiebreakers. And uh, right now, again, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the tiebreakers now. There's so much that can change with that. So I'm going to say the Colts are the team on the outside looking in with the Browns, dolphins and Ravens sneaking into those three spots the team that's interesting to watch in all this is cleveland at eight and three because the browns are at tennessee this week they're home against the ravens next week and then they got pittsburgh at home week 17 and pittsburgh likely is going to play all their starters because they obviously want to win the one seed and get the bye over kansas city so cleveland we're going to find a lot about this team i'm not sold on them yet it seems like every one of their wins come in a monsoon at home they barely just scraped by jacksonville last week no Odell Beckham, obviously. They do get Miles Garrett back uh, this week, though, against Tennessee, which will be huge. But uh, Cleveland's the team for me. Here's they- the thing. Here's the thing. You look at their schedule, even with those three tough games against the Titans, Ravens, and Steelers, 
They play the Giants and the Jets. I'm giving them two wins there. That's already 10. The Giants, I'm not so sure about because, again, Cleveland will be coming off games against Tennessee and Baltimore, and that is a major letdown spot against the Giants. That is a tricky spot. I'm telling you right now that could be an upset. It could be a letdown spot, but on the flip side, I love a team that has – that's in the playoff picture that's come off of probably two losses. And if you're coming off of two losses and you know you're up against it, we're going to learn a lot about the Browns in that Giants game if they're actually a, a real playoff team. And I think they are because of the way they run the ball with yeah. two running backs and their defense. So that's why I'm not afraid of either of those games at MetLife Stadium in back-to-back weeks. So I think right there they're at 10 wins, and that is probably going to be enough considering that the last spot between the Colts and the Dolphins is going to be in probably a nine-win spot pending a tiebreaker. So the magic number for the Browns is 10, and I think they'll get there with just those two games alone. Anything else they can get against the Titans, Ravens, or Steelers is gravy. It's crazy that it seems like every year the magic number is 10 to get in the playoffs, yeah. and it's a except lock. For, this year, somebody... Except for Todd Bowles' first year with the Jets when they had 10 wins and missed the playoffs. There you go, Jeff. Keep <laughs> salting. Um, <laughs> NFC – we got the Saints, uh, NFC South, Saints, Falcons, Bucks, and uh, or Saints, Bucks, Falcons, and then the Panthers. That division's done. That division's done because the Saints swept the Bucks. So Correct. with a few weeks left, the Bucks have to not tie the Saints, but surpass them, uh, which would mean, I mean, they, they would have to, the Saints are probably going to get to at least 11 wins. The Bucks have to get to 12, which means, um, Oh, wait, win out. What am I saying? Oh. What am I saying? They're seven and five. They can't get to 12. So uh, as long as the Saints get Saints to 11, it's theirs. Right. Correct. Um, NFC North, same thing. The Packers got it, uh, got it in the bag. Chicago's lost five in a row. They were five and one. Now they're five and six. Minnesota was the team that we thought maybe could create something, but that loss to Dallas really hurt any chance. It hurt, but they did get the win and stay alive against the Panthers. When we were going through that, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we said that there's a possibility they lose to maybe the Panthers. We said, give them week 13, six and six. They're at five and six. They got the Jaguars at home this week. So they could still get to that six and six. They're not going to be in the mix for the division against the Packers. But they, as we get to it in a moment, will certainly be in the wild card mix. Uh, the NFC West, that's the best division in football. Uh, yes. The two teams that probably don't have a chance to win the division anymore are the Cardinals and the Niners. The Rams still could take it from the Seahawks, but the Seahawks schedule is a joke. It's an absolute <laughs> joke. The rest of the season. Yes. Giants. So I, I know was, jets. I know uh, uh, Washington. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. They, they've got, I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm ready to give them the division without any hesitation. Their schedule is home to the Colt McCoy led giants this week, home to the jets at the Washington football team, then the big home game against the Rams, and then at the Niners. But those three, those next three are already pretty much going to get them over the finish line. Um, and, and they deserve it. I mean, they, they deserve it. Right. They've been playing. They've started to fix their issues on defense. I still want to see them do it against a good team. Uh, holding the Cardinals and Rams back-to-back weeks to a combined 44 was impressive. After giving up 44 to the Bills, yeah. the next two weeks combining for allowing 44 – but then they played the lowly Eagles. Then they're playing the Giants with Colt McCoy. Then they're playing the Jets. Then they're playing Washington. So we might have a little bit of a mirage here about how good their defense actually is. But again, they did look fine the last two weeks against the Cardinals and the Rams before that Eagles game. Right. And, uh, and now as we look at the NFC as a whole, 
Um, oh, you can't skip the most interesting division as far as oh, the division yeah, winner right. the in NFC. the East. We I know we want to forget division? about it. Yeah. I know we want to forget about it, but we can't forget about it. Because well, we've it talked about how tough the schedules are for all of those teams. I, I think the best team in the division is the Giants, actually. I, I do. The Cowboys are the most Jones. talented, but I think the Giants are the team that can get an upset where we're not expecting them to get one. And I think I that's, that. that's what's going to be the difference. These teams obviously still have – a divisional game or two against each other and they'll have to win those. But if any team is going to win a game, they're not supposed to, I think it might be the giants. And because of that, I, and I think it could be that Browns game. We'll see. But because of that, I think I'd give the nod to the giants. To win I think it's the Cardinals game the week before. Cause like I said, I think that Browns game, yeah, true. I think the Browns are coming off two losses and they won't go three in a row. Uh, knowing again that they, if they win two games at MetLife Stadium, they're going to make the playoffs with 10 wins. So I think they pull off an upset against the Cardinals, possibly. I think they beat the Cowboys at home to end the season. But at most, then in my book, at most, that gets them to six, which could be the magic number. Now you look at Washington's schedule, another brutal schedule. Uh, it, it's not going to – I think the universe is just taunting us now because you have the worst division probably ever and down the stretch they have the toughest schedules of anybody in the league <laughs> this week's a tough spot against the Steelers and then they go west against the Niners and they're home to the Seahawks home to the Panthers at the Eagles do you see them getting to six again six being the operating right. magic number I well, don't see it what's funny no but I don't see it what's funny is that all these schedules too are so hard because all these teams are so bad yeah. We look at them on other people's schedules and we're like, oh, that's a win. That's a win. And they yeah. look at other people and they're like, oh, that's a tough game. Exactly. I mean, I, I think, I think they maybe lose the next three weeks in a row against Washington. I mean, excuse me, against the Steelers, Niners and Seahawks, but then the Ron Rivera bowl, I'm giving a win to Washington. Yeah. That'll be on the 27. Yep. And then last week of the season at Philly with a chance to get to, to that magic number of six. So they could, Again, in the same way with the Giants, where I look at their schedule and see one definite win, or at least that I'm going to lean them, then it's just a matter of pulling an upset somewhere else. I feel like I'm John King at the big board uh, <laughs> on election night. We're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to figure out the math here of, of where they can get to that magic number of six instead of 270. Um, the Eagles schedule, again, brutal. <laughs> they get the Packers, Saints, and then at the Cardinals, and they finish with two divisional games against the Cowboys in Washington. Now, they are at three wins. So Washington and the Giants have that little bit of a head start where they're at four. They have the tie, which could throw another wrench into the equation. And then I think the one team that I'm counting out, and I, maybe I'm making a mistake doing this because nobody knows in, the, in this terrible division. All right. The one team that I'm intent to count out is the Cowboys. We said they could pull off the upset against the Ravens, depending on who the Ravens have back. Could they lose on the road against the Bengals after what we just saw the Giants do on the road against the Bengals? Yeah, that came to toss up. Yeah. Then they probably lose to the Niners. Then they host the Eagles and they're at the Giants. I don't know that I could definitively say they have three because, again, they're going to need three probably, not two, three. So it's between Washington and the Giants for me. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how that division plays out. The playoff picture, I mean, really cut and dry, especially at the top. New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay, like we said, whoever wins the NFC East. The wild card teams, you got to think the Rams and the Bucks make it. 
And then it really comes down to Arizona, Minnesota, and San Francisco. I think yeah. San Francisco, now that they got some guys back, even without Kittle and without Garoppolo, I actually think they're the best of the three teams. But uh, again, because of the division that they play in, it's just going to be tough to get wins. Minnesota, they got Jacksonville this week. They obviously still have some other divisional games against the Bears and Detroit, so that'll help. And Arizona, the yeah. division they play in. It's just like San Francisco, so it's if tough. The, if the Falcons' schedule wasn't so difficult, the way they're playing, I'd be tempted to make them my dark horse. But then you look at the schedule and you second-guess that because they're home against the Saints at the Chargers, home against the Bucks at the Chiefs, and then at the Bucks, yeah. if their schedule wasn't so brutal. I'd be tempted to pick them as a dark horse, but their schedule is oh, a nightmare. Oh God, that's brutal. Yeah, they Falcons always get going this time of the year. I hope Morris gets the job because I do too. He deserves. They it. really have been playing well under him. That's the NFL playoff picture. Again, it'll be a huge week in the NFL this week. Going over to college now, Joe. We got a big bomb in college football this morning after Coastal Carolina and Liberty got postponed. BYU swooped in, and now they're traveling to Myrtle Beach to play Coastal this week. A huge game for the group of five. BYU is not going to make the playoff. The committee's made that clear. They're just not impressed with them. They're too far down. We'll see if they'll win over the only way. The only way, like we said, is if they also schedule Cincinnati and dominate them. Correct. And they will need help in front of them. Correct. I can't wait for this game. BYU's favored by 10 at Coastal. And, you know – um, I'm intrigued to take Coastal because I think that a person that hasn't seen these two teams play but is a football fan is going to know the name Zach Wilson. And they're just automatically going to be like, yes. oh, that kid's good, and he's just going to blow him out. But we've talked about Coastal a bunch, how much we like them. And uh, with game day there at home, it's, it's They it's have, have fans. They do game. have fans. They do have fans. So – We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that BYU is playing somebody. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But that'll be a, a fun game, a huge game for the group of five. Um, and who makes it to the New Year's Bowl? And if they can jump Cincinnati, we'll see. And ahead of them, the picture remained largely unchanged this week. The largest jump was Iowa State getting into the top ten, which gives some faint hope of life still to the Big 12. <laughs> I don't see a path for them. No. Um, but the, the fact that they're ninth, they have a chance. Um, Georgia's not going to play in a championship game, probably. Um, Florida could still lose another game, and who knows what happens in the SEC title game. Same thing with A&M, who knows. Ohio State, who knows how the committee's going to view that. if they? Uh, this That's week, the team, to me, that is yeah. the biggest question mark. This week they're playing. Next week they're probably going to not have a game if Michigan's now having a COVID issue. So yeah. that means they're going to not make the Big Ten title game because they're not going to have enough games. So do they just put them in because of Justin Fields and how dominant they could be? Or they looked at it as a 5-0 and team who didn't show enough. Then Clemson and Notre Dame, one of those teams is going to get eliminated in the ACC title game. So you're starting to look, and it's not impossible for Iowa State to run the table, win the Big 12, have some impressive wins on their slate, and get in. But the Big 12 is on is very much on life support now. They need a lot of help. The Big 12, oddly enough, as a power five, probably needs as much help as the group of five with Cincinnati and BYU. Pac-12 is done. Pac-12 is right. done with the Oregon State win over Oregon. Uh, but it's, it, it remained largely unchanged this week. 
But even though it remained unchanged, it got a lot more interesting because of everything going on with Ohio State and because of Iowa State creeping into the top 10. When I saw the rankings reveal that they had a Big 12 team in the top 10 again, it made me think a little bit. Just just not impossible. Well, it's not far that They're going to jump Georgia if they win the Big 12 because Georgia's not going to beat anybody. And, and if, they beat, if they win the Big 12, I think they jump Cincinnati. Depending to me, on that's, that's, that's the key, is, what, yeah. they, is how, what they think of Cincinnati and how they view the Big 12. Because if Florida loses to Bama, they're done. Joe, I think Auburn's going to beat A&M this weekend. I really do. I agree with you. That's what I I'm think, saying. I think A&M's got a loss on their schedule. I think they're going to be done. And then if Notre Dame beats Clemson again, Clemson's out. And Ohio State, you talk about. I think Maryland and Ohio State are going to play next week. I think Ohio State's not even going to risk it with Michigan. They're just going to be like, look, you guys are sick. You're probably going to screw us. We're not playing you. We haven't played Maryland yet. They're Maryland's, got a, Maryland's got a game, though, next week. Oh, Am I forgetting my own team? Uh, I think I think Maryland plays Rutgers next week, if I'm not mistaken. They have a yeah. They have Maryland's got a set game on the schedule against Rutgers next there week, so go. they don't have they don't have that. Okay, so I guess they'll been, look around then in the Big Ten if there's any other team that's off because of COVID. Yeah. maybe they'll play. Ohio, Ohio State State's going to get that sixth game. I, I mean, was they, say, Ohio State almost has to hope that there's a cancellation in the Big Ten so they can schedule another game just to get up to the number. So it's Ohio State. I mean, they're one of the top three brands in the sport. I just think that, you know, the committee, college football is going to find a way to give them a fair yes. shake to, you know, I mean, and like you said, they have Justin Fields. He's a marquee player. They're just, they're going to find a way to get him in. But Iowa State, you make a good point. I didn't think about it, but now I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's, they're not, impossible. Short. it's not impossible. They, so many teams down there in the 10 and uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 range need things to happen for them. Of but course. All but, they but, can do, but yes and no, them. yes and no, because in that eight, nine, ten plus range, I don't think Georgia has any path, even though they're still at eight. Georgia has no path. No. I can't believe that they're still at eight. Yeah, I wouldn't put them there. I would, BYU I should be where Georgia is. Absolutely, and that would make things more interesting. So it, there's still so much that's going to happen. We know that yeah. this is still too early to look at right. it, but like now is when you start to look at who needs to lose to whom to allow which team to maybe jump some teams and right. That's what we can do. And now BYU. What do you think is the scenario that's most likely going to happen? Most likely. Clemson runs the table. They looked pissed off with Lawrence back the other day. Clemson runs the table and they get number two. Bama doesn't lose. They're number one. Yeah. One and two, Bama Clemson. Right. I think that Notre Dame being in a conference this year helps them. And I think that their only loss, if they only lose to Clemson, the rest of the by way. By a certain amount. It's got to be by a certain amount. Yes. If they don't get the destroyed blown Correct. off of them, Correct. I think they will still get in. in the oh, same way I, you're talking I about agree. fields, in the same way you're talking about fields being a brand and Ohio State being a brand, Notre Dame's probably still oh, the yeah. biggest brand overall. Yes. So I could still see them taking four. And then if Ohio State gets the sixth game and wins the Big Ten title, they will probably take three. So I think the most likely scenario, while we're beating ourselves up trying to figure it all out, I think the most likely scenario is the top four teams that we still see right now are the top four teams in the end. Because I agree with you that AM loses this week. I agree with you that Florida loses to Bama. Uh, I don't see a path for Cincinnati unless they get BYU on the schedule, at which point BYU and Cincinnati, one will cancel the other. If BYU doesn't already lose this week to Coastal, um, Georgia's gone. They shouldn't even be at eight. So I think the most likely scenario 
is the top four teams. It, it really hinges on Ohio State. But now all of a sudden, if you see Clemson beat Notre Dame by 30 and Ohio State is a 5-0 and team that the committee doesn't feel deserves to be put in, now that opens two spots. Yeah. And can you pick two teams? Well, again, it happens. It depends what happens in the other games. Uh, if yeah. A&M runs the table, if they don't lose this week, run the table, I think they're in. And then yeah. if, uh, if Cincinnati runs the table, beats Tulsa, wins the AAC, oof, do they get in over Iowa State? I just – I don't know. I still think that the committee just doesn't care about Cincinnati. There is – every year there is a total chaos scenario. And it this never happens usually. And it never happens. <laughs> this year's total chaos scenario – is Ohio State gets left out because of not enough games. Notre Dame, and again, there's no criteria to meet, but the committee might just leave them out because they didn't see enough. Notre Dame gets killed and they're out, which opens the door to two teams. Or they beat Clemson. That happens too. And then Clemson's out. And then Clemson's out with two losses. So either way. Right, uh, one of those two. Either way, one of those two scenarios opens two doors, and I don't know, at that point, I don't know, because Florida, A&M, Iowa State, group of five, who gets those two spots, so. Interesting. But look, again, we're, again, we're talking we didn't about think this Northwestern. It's, it's going to be, we're talking about this and it's all going to be Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State in some order. Probably. Um, all right, but Joe, before we get into best bets and trivia, college hoops, we got number one versus number two this week, Gonzaga and Baylor. We've had some great games the past couple Absolutely. days. Gonzaga, West Virginia, Baylor, Illinois, Duke, Michigan State, um, Kentucky, Kansas. I- I'm excited for this game. We talked with Quentin Mayo last week. We think Gonzaga, this might be Mark Few's most talented team. Jalen Suggs did get hurt, but he came back yesterday, yeah. which was good to see. But, man, Baylor, I mean, their defense was great last year, but you watch them against Illinois last night. And Illinois is one of the most physical teams. I mean, they play in the Big Ten. Brad Underwood is just a tough, gritty coach. And, they, I mean, they were just bullying them on defense. So quick, athletic. It's going to be fun because I think Gonzaga is the best offensive team in the country. Baylor's the best defensive team. It's strength on strength, and we're going to see which one prevails. This day and age in basketball and in college basketball, you'd think offense would, but maybe Baylor uh, can show, you know, make some of the old guys Don't proud. sleep on Baylor's offense, though. Don't sleep on Baylor's offense. Score. They, they got, can score. They can score. Macy Oteague showed a nice left hand yesterday. Um, I mean, then – I mean the, all of their guys is one after another vital can play any can guard any position and he can play well down low. I'm not going to pronounce the man's name. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try it, but number 23 who lit it up last night, he's a really good big man for them. Butler is a star player of the year candidate. Flagler came on last night. John Rothstein tweeted out, buy some stock now. Buy some stock. So they're loaded. They are loaded. And I said it last night. I tweeted it out. I've seen every top 10 team so far, except for Wisconsin. And what I know of Wisconsin from past years, I think is enough to make a judgment. I don't think that either barring injury, I don't think that either Baylor or Gonzaga will fall below third or fourth all year long. Most likely they probably pass one and two back and forth, depending on the week, depending how impressive their wins are. But I don't think either team falls below three or four the whole season, the whole year. Yeah, they're 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 pretty damn good. Um, I'm looking at that kid's name again just to see it, and yeah, I'm not gonna pronounce. I mean, Joe, I don't know if kids in a spelling bee could spell that. That's a tough one. That's a good name. 
But yeah, that's going to be a fun game on Saturday. It was one of those, I was watching college football and there was a commercial that came on. I'm like, Ooh, number one versus number two next week. Don't mind if I do. So that'll be fun to see what happens. All right, Absolutely. Joe. And look, the, the rest of college basketball so far. Yeah. The, re- the rest of college basketball so far, like it's, it's been, it's been meh. Like it's, I'm happy it's back, but like sure. nothing has really jumped off the page at me, but until this week, I, and I'm one verse really, two will catch your eye all the time, all the time. I, I'm going to try it just for why not. I think it's <laughs> Chamwa Chachu Chachua. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, that's I, not I, I had to give it a shot. I had to yeah. give it a shot. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, Joe, we're both 29 and 33 in trivia. We both had three and two weeks last week. Um, what are you thinking for number five? Who are you going with? For number five, um, ah, like I don't really love this, but I don't hate it. I am I feel dirty picking this team, but I've seen how bad the other team is, and I see some glimmer of hope when this team, because their defense is so good, and because they got the doors blown off of them Sunday. Oh, the Bears. I don't know why I like this, but I like the Bears minus two and a half at home against the Lions. Oh, I think boy. it's just. I think I, I feel dirty picking it. That's why I'm making it number five. But the Bears lost to the Lions to open the season on the road. It's one of those rivalries where you, you can see a split. It's two and a half. The Bears' defense could possibly shut out that Lions' offense. And, I mean, the Bears' offense can't be any worse than it's been, I don't think. Like, Pretty bad. You're going to give them something. This, like, they might win this game nine to six. But what does nine to six mean? It means they cover two and a half, PJ. So I don't Joe, love it. I can I like the spot. I can honestly say that you will be the only person with interest on this game. I don't even Absolutely. think people in Chicago or Detroit will be tuned in to watch this one. Absolutely. Um, my number five, we just talked about it, college football. I think it's an outright upset, but plus seven, Auburn over Texas A&M. Auburn, I saw a stat yesterday that actually, or this week that blew my mind. Gus Malzahn against Auburn against Alabama, LSU, and Georgia on the road, 0-12. Not good coach in big games on the road. Great. But at home, Auburn's excellent. And getting the touchdown, you better believe I'm on it. Texas A&M just didn't look good last week against LSU. LSU couldn't score, and their offense didn't look great either. The defense was good, but LSU's not a good team. Bama's favored by 30 against them this week. So I think Auburn at home, they know this is a huge game. This is what they get up for. Gus is looking for a big win to get into the offseason. And this time of the year, there are upsets, it seems like, once a week in the top 10. You saw Northwestern last week. I think this is your top 10 upset this week. I think Auburn plus seven, Texas a and I agree with you. I'm not picking it, but I agree with you. Uh, one where I think, I, I think there's a chance that our number four pick this week is the same, depending on how you ranked it, depending on how you ranked it. It's definitely going to be in your top five. I know it is. I'm taking the Patriots on the road against the Chargers in a pick'em. We were t- texting about this. You're giving me Bill Belichick against Anthony Lynn in a pick'em, and Bill Belichick has done his typical thing where he's been talking up Justin Herbert all week, like he always does for a rookie quarterback, and then he just slams a door yeah. on them when they play. It's a pick'em. I don't know if it's your number four. It's probably somewhere in your top five, but it's my number four. It's in my top five. It's not my number four, and you might be surprised because I was talking about how this team might miss the playoffs, but I actually like them this week. Cleveland plus five and a half against Tennessee. Joe, I can see it now. The headline going into this matchup is, wow, the Browns are eight and three. Like they're having a nice year. Tennessee, eight and three. We expected them to be good. But Cleveland, I think, could pull this upset. And everybody's like, whoa, the Browns, nine and three. Holy crap, they're really doing well. Everybody's on Tennessee right now. 
Tennessee is just not a good home team. They win at home, but it's close. They're a much better road team. Five and a half. Give me Cleveland with that running game. Keep the ball away from that Tennessee offense. I think the Browns keep it close. I think they actually win the game outright, but take the Browns plus five and a half. That's not a bad pick. I actually consider the Titans minus five and a half. I think the Titans is the side for that game. I'm not going to, again, not going to pick it, but I had that consideration. Um, I'm going to, I wanted to go to college for this next one, but the line for BYU Coastal isn't out yet. So it I is minus 10. It is minus BYU. 10 BYU. BYU. Mm-hmm. Done deal. <laughs> give me, give me Coastal Carolina plus 10. I was looking at it and I couldn't find it There you go. for, for what we were talking about earlier. I don't, know that, I don't know that Coastal Carolina outright wins it, but I don't think they lose by double digits. I, I think I like Coastal plus the 10. There, thank you. That was, like, that's what yeah. I was looking at from number three, but I, I couldn't Coastal. find the line, so I figured it wasn't out yet. Give me Coastal plus 10. My number three, Indianapolis minus three and a half against Houston. Look, Houston, I just think, is getting a lot more respect than they deserve. They've won three out of their last four. They've beaten Jacksonville. They've beaten Detroit. They've beaten New England. All right, it's not like they're beating any great teams. Indianapolis coming off that embarrassing home loss. They got to win. They got to keep pace in the playoff picture. The hook scares me. I liked it a lot better at three. It's moved up to three and a half, but I still like it. Take the Colts on the road, minus three and a half. All right, PJ, what did I say last week about NFC East teams? Uh, I said if you give me, I said if you give me any game where it's less than a touchdown, I'm taking whoever the NFC East team is playing. It's not less than a touchdown in this game, but I'm taking it anyway because it's close enough. Uh, the Packers minus eight and a half against the Eagles. Um, we just saw what the Packers did on Saturday night to the Bears. And the criticism of the Packers this year has been that they haven't done it against the great teams, but they've blown the doors off the bad teams. And the Eagles are a bad team. Um, this game probably ends somewhere in the realm of 31 to 14-ish. So I like the Packers minus the eight and a half. My number two, I like the Rams this week. Minus three against Arizona. I thought they'd lose last week, but I think they bounced back this week. To me, Arizona is one of the most overrated teams in football. I mean, you look at their great wins this season. They were against Seattle in a game they really had no business of winning. They did win it, but again, they didn't. it wasn't convincing. They didn't blow me away. And then the other good win against a great team was Buffalo on the Hale-Murray. So two wins that easily couldn't have been the Rams, I just think they bounce back. Sean McVay is great in his career against the Rams and the Seahawks. He struggles against Shanahan and the Niners, but against Arizona and Seattle, he is very, very good. Minus three, the money is on both sides. People are like Arizona as the home dog. I like the Rams on the road, minus three against the Cardinals. There's a lot of games that I considered this week. And after seeing how it went last week, I'm going back to college for number one. Did you see what Jarrett Patterson did for Buffalo last week? Seven touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. He had 408 touchdowns. And that was incredible. Buffalo has gone over, I believe, in every single game this year. I might have missed one, but I'm pretty sure they've gone over in all of them. Uh, Maction this year has been going over at a ridiculous rate. And that total – for Buffalo at Ohio is 58 hmm. and Buffalo probably scores with Patterson, the way they're playing Buffalo probably scores at least 42 on their own. So in a matching game, you're telling me that the home team only needs to score three touchdowns and lose 42 to 21 for me to hit my over. 
I, I like the Buffalo, Ohio. Is that math correct? Wait a minute. 42, 21, 63. Yeah, there we go. So I, I think I, I thought the total in that game was going to be higher than it is, which is what scares me. Um, but this season, Buffalo's games, all right, they scored 49, 42, 42, 70. Those are their four games this year. The lowest they've scored is 42. So all I need is three touchdowns from the home team in a MAC game. And Ohio is only an 11-point dog. I see Buffalo as a team that's scoring at least 42. If 11 is the number, you're telling me that they're thinking that Ohio gets to about 30. I like over 58 in this game a lot. I like what you're, I like where your head's at. I took Bama. I had the same thing, my same process last week. Bama Auburn. Bama would get into 40. I just needed three touchdowns at Auburn. They couldn't even give me that. They're, the difference is that's the SEC and a rivalry game. This is Maction where crazy <laughs> things happen and points are scored at will. And right. guys have 400 yard, eight touchdown games. So I like the 58 in that game over. Joe, you, to- you said it would be on my board, and you were absolutely correct. Number it's number one. one. New England, <laughs> pick them against the Chargers. It's Belichick versus Anthony Lynn. I mean, what more do you need? The Chargers have three wins this year. The Jets at home, the Jags at home, and then against Burrow and the Bengals week one when they won in overtime. And Randy Bullock missed that kick. So I think I'll take New England here. Uh, they beat Arizona last week. They beat Baltimore in the monsoon. They've had some nice wins. Again, Belichick against a rookie quarterback, as talented as Justin Herbert has been, as good as he's looked, he hasn't faced the master yet. And he's going up against Belichick, who's going to just absolutely frustrate him to death. New England's going to run the ball, play good defense. I can't believe the game's a pick em. Vegas just has so much respect for the Chargers because of how good of an offensive team they are. But at the end of the day, the game will be close. And would you take Bill Belichick or would you take Anthony Lynn? New England, Easy. pick em, number one pick of the week. All right. Um, all right, Joe. Trivia. Just like in uh, best bets, we are tied up at ten. Tied across the board. We we, we just you've really given, are just me, the same person. Me, my question. You've given me. That's a scary thought. You've given me my question first. The last two weeks. I'm yeah, give you, you my go ahead. And give me. Yep, go ahead. I've been going. I've been going historic mostly. Yep. You've been going mostly current. Yeah. So I figured I'd switch it up to kind of get with what you were doing a little bit. I want to give you a current question. So oh, much man. Attention. All right. I don't think I like this. Go ahead. <laughs> I want you to give me the top five rushing leaders in the NFL right now. Oh, boy. All right. Time well, now. Derek Henry's a lock. Okay. Alvin Cook is a lock. Yes, sir. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara's not in there. What? Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, as a matter of fact, is not even top 15. He's on my fantasy team. He's just a touchdown machine. As well. Touchdown machine, and he does it catching the ball, too. Yeah, touchdown machine. Wow. The one strike, 20 yeah. seconds gone. All right, let's see. Who are the backs killing it in fantasy this year? There's no McCaffrey. There's no Saquon. Zeke's been terrible. Um, Carson's been hurt. Mostert's been hurt. The Rams shuffling everybody. You know what? Kyler 40 Murray. seconds gone. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray? No. Ooh. He's top 10. He's top 10. I like where your head's at. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, I like that one. Um, oh, so he's Aaron, 11th. He's just on the outside. You know, James Robinson might be in the top five. Uh, Aaron Jones, too. I'll go with both those guys. Aaron Jones and James Robinson. So James Robinson gets you your third correct name, but Aaron Jones gets you your third strike, and that is it, PJ. <laughs> James Robinson's a beast. I love that. The top five. 
you had the last name correct. Wrong first name. Uh, Ronald Jones for the Bucks. Really? Is number four. After they ran it Jacobs. four times against New, uh, New yeah. Orleans? He had that 99-yard touchdown. That's actually, if not for the 99-yard touchdown, he would right now be uh, number seven. So right. uh, then you got Josh Jacobs at number five, and then knocking on the door, six and seven, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb. And all the way down at, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Ooh, 6, man. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 for Alvin Kamara. Because, again, he does it, he does it catching the ball, too. It's receiving. He may never in his career get a 1,000-yard rushing season because he does it <laughs> so many ways. So true. Man, yeah, that was a good one. James Robinson, I felt good about that one. Aaron Jones, I thought, had it. But... I thought that you would get – Everybody but Ronald Jones. I thought you would get Josh Jacobs. I thought yeah. Rojo was the one that would trip you up. And Jacobs, in a way, it did. You just didn't. Yeah. Jacobs, I should have got. All right, Joe, your question. I'm keeping it current. Like you said, that's what I'm doing. We're going to college football. We talked about BYU, Coastal Carolina. Those are not, those are two of the nine unbeaten teams right now in college football in the top 25 of the playoff rankings. Okay. So there are seven other unbeaten college football teams. You can give me six of the seven teams, then I will give it to you. All right. Your six time. of the seven unbeaten teams besides those two. Correct. Go ahead. Cincy. Cincy is one. Bama. They are two. And Notre Dame. They are three. And Ohio State. That's four. Okay. It's always an easy few with you, and then it's the last two that get difficult. Um, nobody else is unbeaten in the big – now that Northwestern lost. Nobody else is unbeaten in the SEC. After Bama, the next teams are Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida all have one or two losses. One minute left. Miami's got a loss. Liberty got a loss. Um, gosh, there's two more. Un- there's three. more than two. There's three more unbeaten teams. Mm. 45 seconds left. It's got to be Pac-12 because they haven't played a lot of games. Um, USC hasn't lost. Yes, one more. All right, all right. USC hasn't lost, and who else out there hasn't lost? Has 30 seconds. Has Colorado lost? They have. One strike. They have. Mm. Oh, I'm going to get tripped on the last one. 20 seconds. It's got to be another Pac-12 team. I just don't know which. Arizona's lost. Oregon has lost. Mm. Oh, can you beat the buzzer? 10 seconds. UCLA. Nope. Two strikes. Five seconds. Mm. Four, three. Done. Who we got? One. Washington Huskies. They are undefeated. They had that crazy comeback the other night. I was watching that comeback. (laughs) They were down 24 and won it. Washington. I was watching that comeback. Yes. I'm disappointed in myself, actually. Yeah. And the other group of five team that's undefeated. So you got Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina, and number 21 is the Marshall Thundering Herd. Undefeated. Oh, good for Marshall. We Didn't are. Realize. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall. There you go. So right, that was a good one. Well done. Once you went to the Pac-12, I'm like, oh, he might get it. That's why yeah, I gave I you just... six because I knew you get the easy four. I figured you get one of the two Pac-12 teams, and then I was like, "Can you get Washington?" You got to a good number. You got to a good number. I should have. I'm. I'm just. I would have not gotten Marshall. I didn't realize they were undefeated. We right. are go thundering herd, but <laughs> I. I. I should have gotten Washington for no other reason than the fact that I was watching that game, and I saw them 
some way, somehow win that game and remain undefeated. Shame on me. There you go. Colorado must have lost this week then, right? Because they, they were did. Uh, yeah, Colorado lost to UCLA. No, they beat UCLA week one. I think it was Oregon State maybe or Washington State, somebody like that. Uh, PJ. Yeah. yeah, PJ. Colorado's unbeaten. You must have missed the team and going through it. They're Colorado's not in the top, 3-0. They're not in the top 20. Oh, top 25. That's what my no, issue was. That's right. So they That's are undefeated. Right. Okay. So – they are undefeated, not in the top 25. No, there it is. There was the caveat. I was like, I know they're unbeaten, but I didn't realize they were not ranked. Okay, there so you well go. Done. Well done. There you go. All right, well, thanks again, new Sherry Burst, for joining us. Great to talk to her. That should be a fun game in Houston and Indy. Let's go Colts, minus three and a half. I got Houston actually outright in that game. We'll see. Do you? I do. I do. I think they're playing great football right now. I no think the, the loss of Fuller and Roby hurts them, but I think the Colts are in a little bit of a – I don't know. That, that's a, just, just a bad funk around that Titans game that might linger one more week. I Doesn't think. hurt the Texans as much as it hurts PJ's fantasy team. That's what, <laughs> that's what really matters. Joe, when I saw that news, I'm like, are you kidding me? I just got Mostert back and Carson back, and I'm like, oh, my team's going to be nice in the playoffs. Are you, still in, are you still in the double elimination survivor pool? Are you still alive in that? I am. Still alive. Sure. Joe. What's your entry name? I can't figure it out. Re- ridiculous. Oh, okay. ridiculous. I'm number like 13. This okay. week I'm taking Minnesota because Me too. they had their letdown against Dallas. They're not having their letdown against the Jags. Had their letdown against next Dallas. Next week, Joe, next week's schedule, so hard. Not I, for I me. Mean, there's, there's like, <laughs> it's brutal. I don't, I not don't for know. me. Not for me. I, I'm, in, I'm in that one. I'm one of the four remaining unbeaten ones. Who do you have um, left? I have, I got a bunch Seattle? of teams left. I have Seattle left. I have I have Seattle home to the Jets next week. I'm not in any issue here. See, but, I this, but this week, I'm also on the Vikings like you. So Yeah. Oh, well. man. I, I agree. They, they had their letdown against Dallas. They squeaked one out by the yeah. skin of their teeth against Carolina. Great comeback victory. Jags at home. I think it's a good W. I think everybody's going to be on Minnesota this week and uh, in Vegas. Those will be, Vegas. Those will be the two picks. I'm rooting for the I, – I, I'm in you a weird spot know, here. I'm, I'm telling I'm, you. I don't want to keep that thing close. I don't want the Jets to win, but also like the other couple teams that are undefeated, like me in that pool, might have them. So it, we'll see at one o'clock when the uh, the the teams that the opponents picked are revealed. If I'm sitting there with the Vikings and the other three teams that haven't had a single elimination yet have Vegas, I'm gonna be between rooting for some money. And for Trevor Lawrence, because the Jets could ruin it if they get the W. So, I don't know. Next week is just brutal. If, if you don't have Seattle left, it's very – I've got very, Seattle. That's oh, it. well, you're I, I've been I've been saving them all the way because I, I look ahead. I knew this week was tough, and I, I knew week 14 would be tough, and I knew that that would well, be a cupcake. Because I, I still have I Pittsburgh left. Them. I'm saving them for Cincinnati, not next week, but the following – and then this week I got Minnesota, but next week is the one I'm like, oh boy. It gets tough beyond um, my quote unquote top teams that I still have because there's not much left. Um, I have Seattle. I'm using them in week 14. I intend to use Tennessee home against Detroit in week 15. I don't want to be counting my chickens before they hatch right here. Um, I intend to use Tennessee home to Detroit in week 15. I'm using Minnesota, like I said, this week against the Jags at home. 16 and 17, if it gets that far. At that point is when the cupboard becomes pretty bare. I could use Cleveland at the Jets. I could use Houston home to Cincy. Uh, that's week 16. 
not much else. And then week 17, God, I mean, if the Pats need the game home against the Jets, that's where I probably go. Um, that's really it. I really hope it doesn't get to week 17 because there's not much. No, I looked at week 17 too. That, that'll be a tough week as well. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm set, knock on wood, this wooden table that I'm having the laptop on. I set myself up very nice for these next three weeks. I got a double digit favorite this week in Minnesota home against the Jags. The Jets are going to certainly be double digit dogs on the road against the Seahawks next week. And then I've got Tennessee at home against Detroit the following week going into week 17. So I'm set up. Okay. Hopefully upsets happen every week in the NFL. You never know, but yep. I, based on odds and based on spreads, I am in a good spot. You like your chances. That's all that matters. Well, for That's Joe Malfa, I'm PJ Glasser. Thanks again to Sherry Burris. We hope you enjoy episode 27. We'll see you next week for episode 28.